Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and for the first time in over a week, I am better than ever. Yes, I lost my quarterback four snaps into the season, and a year that I'd looked forward to for half a century came to a screeching halt. But Jeff Saturday is back with us. All feels a little more right with the world. Here we go! Only one place to start. Nick Chubb is down on the field. This is a rough... Oh, no! Oh, we just saw the replay. Oh, God. He's a great football player, as we know, but he's an even better person, so we will support him every step along the way. Week two comes to an end with a double dip on ESPN and ABC last night. Saints win a close one on the road at Carolina. Steelers steal one, quite literally, with two defensive touchdowns against the Browns, whose biggest problem clearly was not the loss of the game, but the loss of their star, Nick Chubb. Tough to watch. Great to have Jeff Saturday back with us and his buddy, Dominique Foxworth, my buddy, Nick, who are both good enough to stick around after we wrap up. Get up here. And there's so many things I want to get into with both of you. But first of all, Jeff, welcome back. And because this isn't the sort of thing that we would do on Get Up, I just I think everyone wants to hear how you're doing, how you've been. We all saw, you know, what you went back to Indy last year and then yeah. you had the time off and everything. It was such a tumultuous. We just sort of want to check in on you quickly and see how you're doing. Yeah, doing great, man. Had a great family time once the season ended. Had took a bunch of trips uh, with family and and uh, did, did uh, went and visited Ireland for St. Patty's Day and my daughter and all, all over the, the, the world. So had a really good time with them and, and this summer, a lot of time on the lake. So enjoyed it glad to be back working but but uh really enjoyed the time off i appreciate it now your friends here missed you neek was i was he was was like sullen i was so like i was excited for you i was rooting for you but kind of a little bit like man hope he stinks so so i can hang out with him again. it worked out for you (laughs) (laughs) you did you didn't stink though but i mean i'm glad you're back with us neek was forlorn uh but our tuesdays are infinitely better on television now we did the pancakes this morning and all that fun all right let's start with last night's games and then we'll work our way through a few other things. The Steelers get the win. It's one they desperately needed. You can't lose home games in your division if you're going to have a season. But their offense looks terrible. I mean, genuinely Mm. terrible, Jeff. And the quarterback, who had a perfect preseason, his numbers were literally perfect, we all thought, well, he's ready to take a huge step forward. So far, it hasn't happened. What are we seeing there? Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing the, the, the mix of what preseason is and what real season is. And when you get you get guys who understand disguising coverages, putting teams in situations where they're going to be uncomfortable, you know, playing certain sides of the field really matter and have affected picket early on. And then here's the other part. Their offensive line, they're the worst in the league right now in running the football. So, you know, you're, you're kind of salting the wound here when you look at the way this team is supposed to be. And whenever you think about the great Steelers teams, even with Roethlisberger, yeah. it was always about a physical run game, great defense 
defense and then explosive plays. They had one explosive play last night that they're hoping they get a whole lot more of. But when you look at this football team having to score 14 points defensively to beat the Browns, who lost their best player, 55% of their offense, uh, it, 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 that, that's not going to keep happening week in, week out. So a uh, tough start for the Steelers, obviously. Um, you, you know, I mean, a good start to get one-to-one, but this thing does not look good for the long term. That offensive line is always like in the great Steelers runs, they've always had a good offensive line. Absolutely. And they had a good running back, which was aided by the good offensive line. So they had a good running game and a great defense. They yeah. haven't had um, at least one part of that equation in a long time. They're struggling. And if we're trying to look at the bright side of this, they went up against the 49ers and the Browns. Yeah. And the Browns made Joe Burrow the worst quarterback in football That's last right. week. That's we right. Talk about disguises for a young quarterback like Pickett. The disguises that the Browns did on Burrow were uh, they were confusing him. So, of course, they're going to be a trouble for Pickett also. So, if you're a Steelers fan and you're looking for something to be optimistic about, you got one and one and two very tough games. Absolutely. The, the 49ers are a super a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and their defense is among the best in football year in, year out. You guys survived that game, and then you managed to get a win against the Browns, who are a similarly talented defense. So, yeah. that's the best case scenario. You got a little luck, some defensive yeah. touchdowns, and now maybe you'll settle in and get a little better. And Jim Schwartz. He, he, a huge addition for the Browns, yeah. he, the, the defensive coordinator, and he does confuse the heck out of many quarterbacks, not just young ones. So to your point, it will get easier for Kenny Pickett uh, in his reads after leaving these first two weeks. On the other side, Nick Chubb had one of those injuries last night that they don't show you the replay. Right. That, that has become a definition in, in, uh, in sports today. We all know what that means. He is most certainly done for the season. This coming in the same NFL weekend in which Austin Eckler wasn't healthy enough to play for the Chargers and Saquon Barkley goes down with what they're calling, quote, an ordinary ankle sprain and is expected to miss three weeks, which essentially mm. means he won't make any of the, um, the incentives That's right. that he got added to his contract. So he didn't get anything. So, Dominique, as we look at the lot in life of running backs – which was such a big topic of conversation there around franchise tag time. What do we say as we wake up this morning? I mean, it sucks. It's hard to argue against the facts of the case. Uh, You can find mediocre running backs to give you good enough um, production so you don't have to pay the big running backs. Also, the big-time running backs, that position is a violent position. Absolutely. You're going to get injured. So, like, the logic behind it makes sense. But let's not um, overlook the fact that we all lose a little bit because of it. Because if you're not going to invest in these type of players, we're not going to get those type of plays. And I was watching Bijan this weekend and thinking about how incredible it is oh. that he's doing what he's doing and how rarely we see players like that. But those are the plays that I grew up on. Like, right. I grew up watching running backs do miraculous things, and I love it. It's yes. so much fun. But as players are young players, if you're a young player right now, you're not. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Barry Sanders. Absolutely. I wore number 20, and I did a bunch of cutbacks that didn't work because yes. Barry did them, and it was great. <laughs> and I think other young players like that did the same thing, and they became the great running backs of the future. We are not going to get them going forward. So it's a trade-off that we're going to have to make. It's going to be hard to find those type of players because anybody with any athleticism or explosiveness or talent is going to try to push themselves away from that position. That's They'll right. Play and, linebacker, and DN, whatever. Quarterback. Right. I mean, in this yeah, generation, quarterback, sure. quarterback the, the skill set 
that used to lend itself to becoming a running back is now the skill set most teams are looking for to play quarterback. That's right. Yeah, and to illustrate your point with with you know the way that the game has changed, Ford comes in for uh, Chubb, yeah. Jerome and, Ford, and, yeah. and, and rushes for you know a buck, whatever buck twenty. I mean, you know, has a, has a huge run for for nearly yeah. a touchdown, gets to the one yard line or whatever it was, and just so it just shows you that that's what teams say. And that's the answer they give players when they say, hey, we want to pay because they understand it is the most violent position in football. The running back position is. They get hit more often. It is brutal on your body. And to your point, there are some really great ones. And so it's disappointing to see those guys not make the money that they deserve to make. But if from the team's perspective, if you are a team, they, they got to keep their cap in shit. They got to get all these different things. And it's just you see the, you see the reasoning for both sides. Um, and, yeah. you know, I just don't think anybody has the answer yet. Now, Jerome Ford had 16 16- carries for 106 yards last night that's six and a half yards per carry plus three catches for 25 yards and a touchdown so yeah i mean to your point is he nick chubb obviously no. not but the drop off right. versus the drop off i'm just going to use an example that's near and dear from aaron <laughs> Rodgers yeah. to zach wilson we're obviously talking about two totally different things and and, and thus the lot in life unfortunately and, and, of the running and back. think about this you've seen kansas city win two Super Bowls, you know, and play in three without a, you know, yeah. dominant run back. Not, yeah. that, that their running backs didn't play a huge part in their Super Bowl wins. I don't mean it that way, but you know what I mean? Without a yeah. big name at that position. So you see teams go to this mindset where it's running back by committee. And, and you know, I just I think mean, that's not, the... And they had good games from their running backs in those big games. That's right. And, and then they move on from them, and, and we don't, like, think about them much. That's right. So it's not just Kansas City. Just about all the teams that make it to the Super Bowl are not built. I, I think a Todd Gurley is, like, the only... Right. Thing that I can think of in recent memory where we're like, oh, no, that team is truly built around the running back. Yeah. And that's the way the game has changed. It's, it's, it reminds me that I'm old. Greedy presented by Progressive <laughs> Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Uh, quickly, because I just touched on it. And, Jeff, I haven't seen you. I mean, it was a week ago last night that the overwhelming story of the NFL offseason ended in four plays. Oh. It's it's almost impossible to believe even now that it happened. Just what is your big picture perspective on what happened with Aaron Rodgers? First of all, you, like you said, the, the expectations for the Jets go from Super Bowl contender or, or potential Super Bowl contender to we better hope we can make the playoffs. The, the, you know, they're, what they're hoping is that Zach Wilson with Aaron Rodgers in the building can keep them in enough games that their defense and their run game can win these games, right, and become a playoff caliber team. And so it's disappointing that you don't see one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, get the opportunity to match up with this defense, with these backs and the explosive players they have on the outside with Wilson included and so it's just it's disappointing and I know for Jets fans it, it just seems like there's always something man and this is just a this is just another layer onto the always something but, but here's the, I mean this and this is a big statement this literally might be the low point I, I don't know what could be worse than this we've had some horrible like I've always said the difference between like a, a fan of the Jets and fans of, of, of teams that are just always bad, the Lions, the Browns, teams that are always bad. Those teams are always bad. The Jets have not been always bad. Right. We've had some good teams over the years. What the Jets specialize in is a very unique kind of heartbreak. <laughs> like they, right. they rip your heart out of your chest. They throw it on the ground. They stomp on it a bunch. They pour gasoline on it. They set fire to that. <laughs> then they stomp that out. 
that happens every now and again. And this might genuinely be the worst yeah. uh, to, to, to have all of this buildup. If he had gotten hurt week 15, that would have been what? We got four plays. Right. Four plays down it. Neek was with me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know oh. if you saw any of this, but oh. Neek and D. Wood and Graziano were all at my house watching this. That was a did rough y'all, Did you all just like head down, just kind of leave, just, yeah, just slide yeah. out me one? And, I, me and Graziano were just communicating with just eyes. Like, yeah. So. They gave him the look. <laughs> and I think Greeny wanted us out of there because oh, he yeah. wanted to mourn alone. It, was, yeah. it went from being a party to a funeral real quick. Well, Damian yeah. Woody slept over, by yeah. the way. Oh, and, nice. and so did Bob. By the way, while I have you here, let me just throw a quick question at you. Okay. So I had that party. We had, we had put together a beautiful party. We had Dominique, Damian Woody, Bubba, the producer of this radio yeah. show, hashtag Bubba, uh, Dan Graziano, my daughter brought a bunch of her friends. My nephew brought one of his buddies. So we had a nice group. Nice. We, we reserved the screening room downstairs in our building. Stace brought in a ton of food oh, and yeah. drink. It was a beautiful party. She's the MVP. Yep. Uh, always, as always. We all saw what happened in the fourth play. The tone of the night changed. Whatever. The following day, I got a very nice thank you from Dominique, who came in to work the following day. Yeah. I got a text from D. Wood. Th- saying thank you to you and Stacy for having us in the house. Dan Graziano actually brought cookies to the party itself. Respect. Kiss up. <laughs> Bubba. <laughs> cookies was gross anyway. So this was Monday night. First of all, wait a second. Did you just say Dominic's thanked you at the seaport on Tuesday? Yeah. Because I did that as well. No, no, you didn't. no, no. Stand by. Stand uh, by. So <laughs> he stand did. I heard by. it. No, I yeah. did it Monday night and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So no, this, you your story is already stand null and by, void. <laughs> If so, then I don't know why you felt the need to do what you did Sunday. Because on Sunday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, not Thursday, not Friday, not Saturday, but Sunday at 4.03 p.m., he sent a text of thanks to Stacy and me for having him on Monday night. Six days. Six, six days. days. Did I mention? Yeah, I just sent a nice text. Just want to say thanks. Did I mention? <laughs> He slept in my son's room. <laughs> oh. He stayed. Wow. He would and I had to get up super early to come to this show. He didn't. We left him sleeping in my house. Oh. And six days later, he right. texted I mean, it's not a thank like I you. I slept to 11 a.m. I, I got there for get up. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that, that must have been tough for you. <laughs> the point of it is this, the Jeffrey. The alarm was early. What do you think of this? Is that bad etiquette? This is, is it bad etiquette very, to wait very, six days to send a text? Six days? Six days. Six days, Again, yeah. I thanked him the next day, just like Dominique did. I, uh, I, I was at the seaport. There's no confirmation. I, mean, I, I, I didn't leave my stink on his sheets. That's the yeah. thing. It's like, I mean, that's, you came over there, yeah. and you're sweating, you sleep on yeah, his sheets. Yeah. You got you to. Uh, here's my question to you, Bubba. I, I, this is the way I can. I, I, did you strip the sheets when you left and made sure they were in the laundry or at least mm. where, where Miss Stace knew where they were? No, absolutely. Oh. I had to answer that. I, yeah. was, I uh, had to do that. I was I had told to... directly not to do that. What? I, I, I was, Stacy told me, do not make the bed. So, I mean, I, may, I fixed the bed up, but she said, don't touch anything with the sheets. Leave them as they were. Okay. So, but no, I, no, I, no. I you made... got to know better, Bubba. You got to know better. That is an opportunity. Yeah, that's just pleasantries. Yeah, that's, that's not real. That's never you. real. Yeah. Never real. Yes. One time my wife said, don't get her anything for her birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, knew, I knew what that meant. <laughs> exactly. That meant, that meant I won fall. diamonds this year. You fell for the okie doke. You fell for the banana and sale pipe. I don't know. I'm not going to go wander around looking for their laundry. I mean, I made the bed. 
bed. Make it easy for yeah. you. Do you know how hard I had to work to wash those sheets afterwards? Uh, yeah. There's no way the you wash them in the washing the machine. Yeah, there's, do it. there's a 0% chance you wash the sheets. Here. <laughs> there's actually, the, a God's honest truth is I don't know how to use the washing machine okay. in my house. That's a God's honest exactly. truth. Exactly. I don't know how to do it. One time, it's 100% true. I don't know how to turn it on. I said a thank you. I do know where it is. That's a start. That's a start, baby. That's a start. I don't know. The, the God's honest truth is I don't know how to do that's it. That's unbelievable. No. That, that is unbelievable. That's, that's, that's true. Okay. Anyway, Jeff, it is true. It's wonderful to have you back. Jeff, Saturday on a Tuesday. I can do without better. him. Neek, thank you. You guys are the best. We'll come back Love with you, my Bubba. takes in just a moment. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right. 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny's Takes. All right, let's do a couple of quick takes that come out of uh, Monday Night Football yesterday, and in particular on the Steelers and the Browns. And and let's start with this. I'd like to talk about the running backs for a minute. This was a weekend in which Nick Chubb went down. He will not get back up again. Saquon Barkley went down. He's going to miss several weeks, which means he will not make any of the incentives that he held out for uh, above the number that he was getting for his um, the franchise tag. Austin Eckler, week two, not able to play. J.K. Dobbins, out for the season. The reality of it is, Hembo, that it is twofold. One, it makes you say, man, this is so brutal. These guys don't get the money. They should get the money. I want them to get the money. And I do. From the bottom of my heart, I know what football players go through. I, I never played football 
in large part because I couldn't. And the main reason I couldn't is because I've seen what it takes to play football. And what they go through is extraordinary. I want every football player to get paid every penny he possibly can. But the the reality is these injuries confirm why they don't. You don't pay Austin Eckler $30 million a year because he's going to get hurt for week two. You don't pay Saquon Barkley $20 million a year because he's going to be out three weeks. You don't pay Nick Chubb $30 million a year, even though he's overwhelmingly the most important player on your offense, because he's going to be running himself into harm's way 25 times a game. And the law of averages suggests every now and again, his knee is going to be bent in the opposite direction. It was a brutal play last night. If you haven't seen the replay of it, if you're one of those who is squeamish, you don't want to see it. But anyway, when I say mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs, Hembo, that's what I mean. It is That is their lot in life, and it's not going to change. No, the combination of, of injury risk and the fact that, on balance at least, run games are much more dictated by scheme and blocking than the players themselves, with rare exception, equals... The fact that you should absolutely not pay running backs. We've, we've, we've covered this for years. What I am curious, however, is whether or not this will change at all at the youth levels, at the college levels. Are the best players at those levels going to play different positions, elect to play different positions earlier in their careers because they're looking forward and saying to themselves, we're not getting paid. I mean, the best athletes on the field used to be the running back. That is no longer the case. And given the fact that these are effectively disposable pieces, if I was a person or a player with options, I would play practically any other position aside from, you know, special teams. Or and primarily quarterback because they get paid so much money. And the truth is athleticism, quickness, speed, ability to run with the ball. That was almost no part of being an NFL quarterback. It was so rare when you had a quarterback who could run. That's why we all remember Fran Tarkenton and we all remember Steve Young and we all remember Randall Cunningham because that was such a unique skill set for a quarterback to have. Practically every quarterback in the NFL has that skill set now. If we have guys who don't, Mac Jones would have been thought of as an unbelievable prospect in 1987 because that, that, what do you mean he's a statue? Who cares? We're going to block for him and he's going to stand in the pocket, five-step drop, and he's going to fling it down the field. That's not pro football anymore. And so those athletes are going to want to be quarterbacks now. No doubt. Kyler Murray was the first pick in the draft. Bryce Young, who's built like a punter, was the first pick in the draft. Watching Bryce Young on, a, on an NFL field is, is jarring. Like He is so much smaller than anybody else. It's so bizarre. But look, it doesn't really matter anymore. This is a, a position for which the, the desired skill set has changed. And getting, running, uh, getting yards uh, on the ground from your quarterback, those are easier yards to, to, to gain based upon the way that the defense plays, than putting the ball in the belly of a back, which is probably going to get you three or four. Like the, math, the math makes sense. It's just a shame for a, a sort of a legacy position that we romanticize. It's effectively extinct. Greeny with you, reminding you there's a couple of different ways you can hang out with us. We are a podcast every single day, both hours of this program. It is called Hashtag Greeny. It's available wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch the show on the ESPN app. Just click on Watch, look for Hashtag Greeny, and you can enjoy. A couple more thoughts from last night. What the hell happened to Deshaun Watson? Now, look, Deshaun Watson has become the least fun football player to talk about. Because of the circumstances surrounding him, they were so un... Again, I shouldn't say circumstances surrounding him. The circumstances he put himself in, the circumstances of him, it's so awful to talk about that even analyzing him as a football player now still feels 
strange. It, it, it feels almost impossible to have the conversation about him without at least prefacing it with that. But the reality is he became the highest paid guaranteed contract in the history of the sport not that long ago, and he is now back as the quarterback of an NFL heritage franchise. And he's terrible. I mean, I, I, I am flabbergasted at how bad he is. I was completely willing to write off the last six games of last year, figuring that he had not been there for the first 11. He was totally rusty. He was totally out of sync. He had no chemistry or timing or anything else. But he has had the entire offseason, an entire training camp, all the preseason, everything else. He should be as ready as you could possibly be. Is this the Deshaun Watson we're going to get from now on? Because if so, that's going to wind up being one of the worst trades and one of the worst contracts in NFL history. Let me give you some numbers. So he has now played eight games. So we can't, with the Browns, I mean, we can't really cry small sample size anymore. In those eight games, the Browns have averaged 15.4 points a game on offense. That ranks 31st of 32 NFL teams over that span, ahead of only the Jets. Only the Jets are worse offensively than the Cleveland Browns over the last half a season. The offense that he has run has scored 12 touchdowns in eight games. They have been dreadful. They have been horrible. And his performance has been objectively bad by itself. His QBR is 42.7 during that time. All this talk about Justin Fields, right? Justin Fields is over that time is 42. 42. They're effectively as bad as each other. One of them is the highest paid player ever. The other is going to lose his job here shortly. It's getting late really, really early for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, look... He gave up two touchdowns last night. The Steelers, one of them, let's say the first one isn't necessarily his fault. It's an interception that gets popped up in the air. But it is worth pointing out that the Steeler defense outscored the Steeler offense in winning that game last night. And so we find ourselves in a position in that division that is fascinating. Because I'm old enough to remember when we were talking about will four teams from the AFC North make the playoffs? And now here we are talking about is anyone in that division really any good? Now, the Ravens are 2-0. and You never apologize for victories in the National Football League. And I thought they took big steps forward this week on the offensive side. I think Lamar Jackson and that offense, it is going to rev up. It is going to get better and better and better. And by midseason, I think they have a chance to be outstanding, assuming they are not hit by their annual spate of devastating injuries. The Bengals may have made the biggest mistake that any NFL team has made in years. And I understand it. It is a league built on desperation because of how short their season is. But when they've got Burrow with that calf, all I heard from everybody was that is an injury that if you do not let it fully heal, if you take any, if you don't take every precaution, if you bring him back at any point too soon, it's something that will now bother him for the rest of the year. So you really had two choices. One, You roll the dice, you bring them back, and you try and win those first two games because they're both divisional games. Or two, you live with the fact that you're probably going to lose those two games, but you let them rest. You err on the side of caution, let them rest, 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 and then figure he's good enough healthy to make up whatever ground you lose. Well, they wound up getting the worst of both worlds. They rushed him back. He re-aggravated the calf. He may not play next Monday night. Even if he does, it looks like this is clearly something that's going to hamper him long-term, maybe the entire season, and they lost both games anyway. So the Bengals, who opened the season, I think, as one of the two or three favorites to win the Super Bowl, they can't be that anymore, can they? No. Um, it's a really bad sign if your franchise quarterback is applying the Theragun to himself on his calf on the sideline. It is. Which we saw Joe Burrow do on Sunday. It, it's, 
it's bad news there because not only are they 0-2, but their identity, like the thing that they were great at, they're no longer good at. In two games, the, the Bengals have created two explosive pass plays. We're talking about 20 yards. Jamar Chase, his number one receiver, for like five years now dating to LSU, yeah. his longest catch this season has gone for 13 yards. Like the, if these were stats that were generated by the New York Giants, we'd be giving them a hard time. The performance has been dreadful across the board. I'm with you. The Baltimore Ravens now have to be considered the clear and obvious favorite to win the division. And in a, 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 a division that we once thought might get three or four teams in, we might be looking at a one-horse race, much like we thought of the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase, for this regular season, two games, 10 catches on 17 targets for 70 yards, and the longest gain is 13 yards. It, it, it has been next to nothing for a player that we all believe, and, and, and I still believe, is one of the three or four best receivers in the National Football League. They're just not able to get it done, and Chase himself is saying they may have screwed this up. You'd understand if it was like, hey, shut Joe down for a couple weeks to make sure he's 100% on the I other end of it. did that from jump. You know, but, yeah. I mean, live and learn. We should have done that from jump. That is brutal. That's where they are in Cincinnati. So that, that's where we wake up today. Right now, let's send it around the horn here for the entire hashtag crew. Steelers are 1-1. One Browns are one and one. Bengals are zero and two. Ravens are two and zero. Who's going to win that division when it's all said and done, Bubba? I'm going to go Ravens. Ravens going to hang on and take it wire to wire. Cam. Yeah, I got Ravens preseason. I'm sticking with them now. Ravens was the pick then, and it is now. That seems like a smug answer, but I'll live with it. It was. I didn't ask you who your preseason pick was. You just felt the need to mention that. Everyone loved the Steelers. I, I loved the Steelers. I picked them. Yeah, me too. That's not looking great, but I got confidence in Tomlin. They'll, they'll be there. They'll be in the picture. They're just not that good. I mean, that offense just is not that good. If I, if I got my mulligan now, I they'll would be, say, I think they'll be ahead of the Browns and, and potentially the Bengals at this point, though. Maybe. So if, if I, but if I got my mulligan, I would, I would go Ravens. Yeah. But, uh, Hambo? I agree with that. It's too early to panic on Cincinnati. But I would still take the Ravens to win the division. If I gave you Baltimore or the field with the same odds, which would you take? I would take the field. I would not take Baltimore. But I, but I do take Baltimore. I, selecting only one as we are doing, I take Baltimore. Um, and we'll see what winds up happening. Okay, there's something I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. We moved the line on Micah Parsons yesterday, guys. We screwed ourselves. So here's what happened. For those of you who weren't listening, I genuinely believe, believe and strongly believe that Micah Parsons has a chance to become the first defensive player since Lawrence Taylor to win MVP. He's got almost unprecedented hype and attention for a defensive player. He has a star quality about him that almost no defenders have. I'm talking about Dion level star quality. He is must-see TV. You watch him on the screen when the other team has the ball, not the opposing quarterback. That, that, that's how uniquely gifted he is, and everyone knows it, and everyone sees it, and he's putting up numbers that are mind-boggling for a team that I think is going to have a great season and be led by their defense. That, to me, is the perfect storm of circumstances where we could have something that happens once every other generation, and that is that a defensive player wins MVP. So Hembo looks it up yesterday for us. And finds that Micah Parsons was a hundred to one, Bubba, to win MVP. Right. So I said on the air, let's take the hundred bucks that he never bet on the Bears for us, and thank God for that. My hundred bucks, I'm going to put it up. I want Parsons at a hundred to one to win 
MVP. That's 10,000 bucks if we win it, and we will split it four ways equally amongst the hashtag crew, 2,500 bucks a piece yep. if he winds up winning the MVP. So I say this on the air, right? and I'm talking about what a great pick it is. Hembo, tell everyone what happened then. By the time I reached the state of New Jersey on my drive home, where I could legally place this bet, the odds had already changed in Ugh. those 20 minutes from 100 to 1 to 66 to 1, Bubba. But I will tell you this, I still cashed the ticket. I've got a 66 to 1 Micah Parsons MVP ticket um, in my bankroll, and I have the receipts to prove it. Okay. So it was okay. placed. I still think that's the right move. Yeah. And to be clear, we only make legal wagers. I, th- 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 I want that made very clear out there. So Hembo was not able to place the bet from New York State where we live. He drives back to New Jersey where he lives. You can get to the Holland Tunnel from here in about four minutes. So you were there in no time. And yet, in that time, literally right after we talked about it, the odds had gone from 100 to 1 to 66 to 1. Cam, did we move the odds on Micah Parsons to win MVP? There's no question it was us. I think we it's, did. That's, that's not a coincidence. That's a remarkable power That's we the have. influence that you have, Greeny. Yeah, it's good. we. It's us. We're the hashtag crew. That's, We're a team here. That's true. Here, here's my guess. I'm guessing that people listening immediately cashed in on this right. opportunity. And there's probably some kind of automation that says... We should shorten these odds if a bunch of people are putting money on it. I'm still surprised, though, as it stands today, that he's still a 60-to-1 long shot. I mean, he has the same odds to win the MVP as Justin Fields does, who's not going to be the Bears quarterback in a month. So I still think we're getting a really, really good value at 66-to-1, which means that the four of us would each cash about 1700 bucks. All right, hold on one second. That's the second time now you've said that. You believe Justin Fields is going to get benched as the quarterback of the Bears. They're not only going to become disillusioned enough to not pick up his a fifth-year option, and move on after the season, you're telling me you think they're going to move on from him during the season. If his performance does not improve, I don't think they'll have a choice. Like right now, Justin Fields is pretty close to being unplayable. The numbers are awful. Now, they don't have a real backup. Their QB2 is Nathan Peterman, who's dreadful. But at some point, you're going to have to sit him down if he continues to just patty cake the, the, the football in the pocket. I mean, at, at minimum, they should run him. At least you have a chance. Well, that that's way. what I was about to say. Like, par- at least part of this. What did you tell me? He had four carries for three yards or three carries for four yards? He had four carries. Justin Fields had four carries for three yards in an NFL game. That's, 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 that's unconscionable. So why are they coaching the run out of him? He, his QBR the second half of last season was behind only those of Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he was a superstar, but it meant they had found something that was effective. It worked. The QBR doesn't measure how good you are. It measures the impact you're having on a game. The impact he was having on the game was enormously positive. Why are they taking that out of their games? Just so you know, QBR is a stat that does include the value that you add running the ball. Yes, Justin Fields, Justin Fields averaged about 95 rush yards per game. 95 for a quarterback over the last 10 games of last season. What that does is it changes the math for the defense. What Matt Eberflus and what Luke Getzey are doing in Chicago is effectively saying, we're going to play like Justin Fields can't run. And that's the worst thing that you can possibly do because Justin Fields at best is a liability as a passer. So let's take away the thing that he's best at. You're making it just too easy for the defense and it shows on film. Yes, that's very frustrating. All right, greedy with you here coming to you live above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. You're going to hear from Kirk Cousins coming up in a minute saying something I absolutely could not stand. But there's something I also want to bring to the show every single day and it starts now. So fellas, you know, sneaky hembo has become a thing. 
Sneaky Himbo on Get Up has become one of our most popular features. He does a trivia question every day. His battle with Graziano is the stuff of legend. Everywhere I go in the street, people will tell me, I got the question right today or I got the question wrong today. So I thought, well, why wouldn't we do that here on radio? So we need a Sneaky Hembo question open. And every day he's going to give us a trivia question. So for the very first time of what will now become a permanent feature... What is today's? It will not be the same as the TV show. What is today's sneaky Hembo trivia question? We will all, the three of us, try to answer. Lots of MVP chatter for Micah Parsons. I'm not going there quite yet, so here's my question. Who is the last player to win the Defensive Player of the Year award and the Super Bowl in the same season? Ooh. Last player to win Defensive Player of the Year and the Super Bowl in the same year. No Googling. Back with the answer next on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, on social media, Twitter and Instagram and um, what's the other one? Threads. 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 <laughs> At ESPN Greeny on all of them. ESPN and Greeny with a Y. Here we go. The first Nikki Hembo of what will be a daily feature here on this radio show. And what we've decided we're going to do is each of us are going to guess separately. So Bubba will have a guess, Cam will have a guess, I will have a guess. We each had to lock in our answers, so we no, we cannot change them based upon anything anyone else says. And then we're going to keep a tally and see how everybody does. I'm positive I know this one. Anyway, read the question again. Who is the last player to win Defensive Player of the Year in a Super Bowl winning season all right uh, Bubba I'll give you the first crack at it who do you think it is <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm confident I'm gonna be last in the Hembo trivia standings but I'm gonna guess Aaron Donald Aaron Donald is his guess Cam how about you Von Miller Von Miller is his guess suddenly I'm starting to doubt mine and I will tell you why because I'm positive I know someone who was defensive player of the year and won the Super Bowl that year but I'm not positive now that he was the most recent in the 2010 season, which led to the 2011 Super Bowl, Darrell Revis was absolutely the best defensive player in the league. It wasn't even close, and he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. Charles Woodson did, and the Packers then won the Super Bowl by beating Pittsburgh. So that's my answer. I have it written down, so I can't change it. But now they've given pretty good answers that are more recent than that. So that makes me a little worried about it, but I'm not allowed to change my pick, so my answer is Charles Woodson. Hembo, what is the correct answer? The correct answer is James Harrison. James Harrison for the 2008 
Steelers what? is the most recent player to win the Defensive Player of the Year and the Super Bowl in the same season. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's before Charles Woodson. You're telling me Woodson was not the Defensive Player of the Year in the year the Packers won the Super Bowl? That year was Troy Polamalu, the year they lost the Super Bowl. Man, I was positive I was wow. right about that. Can I get three buzzers, please? All right, yeah, that's wrong. And that was wrong. And that was wrong. And then I went back and tried mine again. And it was still wrong. <laughs> so right. you're, you're thinking of Woodson won the award in 2009, the so year he before. he won it the year before but didn't win the Super Bowl that year. Rivas should have won it both of those years. So I was right even though I was wrong. Woodson... No, I was wrong even though you I was wrong. wrong. Yeah, I'm just going to. You gonna, were wrong. All right, that's one more buzzer. Okay, so that's a zero for all of us. And, and we're going to do this every single day, and we hope that you will enjoy playing along with us at home or wherever you may be playing this game. Quickly, before we move on, you had a few other things you said you wanted to get in before I get to my next order of business. I really want to provide this Nick Chubb stat, because what happened last night was obviously gruesome and also tragic. I think because Nick Chubb isn't really a celebrity player, like Nick Chubb is... Is not someone we talk about often in the national consciousness. He's obviously not a quarterback, but he absolutely is a superstar and a potential Hall of Fame running back. Greeny, I'm going to read for you a comprehensive list of backs to average five yards a carry, which is really the benchmark of a great running back in five consecutive seasons, which Nick Chubb has done. Here's the list. Nick Chubb. That's the entire list. In the really? whole history of the National Jim Football Jim Brown League. didn't do it. Walter Payne didn't do it. OJ didn't do it. Barry Sanders. None name of them. them all. Nick Chubb is the only player in the history of the NFL to average five yards a carry in five consecutive seasons, 2018 through 2022. He was on pace to do it again this year. What has happened to him to have that, to have that knee injured for the second time is tragic. He is truly one of the best players in the NFL and was at least by one standard of measure, on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Yeah, for those of you who don't know it or remember it, he had that devastating knee injury in college at Georgia um, and came all the way back and, and, as Hembo just pointed out, has turned himself into a great NFL player, maybe on some level a great, an all-time great NFL running back. It's going to be interesting to see what the benchmark is candidly. I'm, getting, I'm sidetracking myself, but whatever. Let's go down this path because it's an interesting one. What is the criteria going to be to get into the Hall of Fame as a running back anymore? So in the same way that baseball stats have to be adjusted. Used to be, if you won 300 games as a starting pitcher, you walked into the Hall of Fame. No one will ever win 300 games as a starting pitcher again. And the game is going to have to change substantially, right? So the things that you would have expected a a starting pitcher to do to become Hall of Fame worthy have to be adjusted. In the same way, running backs generally had to have, I don't know, a 10-year stretch of putting up huge numbers and, and run for 10,000 yards in their career or some number roughly like that. Is that going to change? What, what is Nick Chubb, if you have it in front of you, what is his, total, his rushing total for his career? I mean, Chubb is only 27 years old. I mean, right. He's not going to come close right now for his entire no, career. No, but is he close to 10,000 yards? 6,500. Okay, yeah. That's going to be very difficult. So, like, if I just say, if I say, Derrick Henry, do you think Hall of Fame back? No. Christian McCaffrey? No. What if Nick Chubb comes back and can return to form? Like four more years? See, again, I need to be re... That's what I'm asking, basically. Not just to you, but I'm asking the question aloud. Do we need to adjust the way we view this? To me, McCaffrey just got in the league. How many years has McCaffrey been in the league? I mean, when I think about Hall of Fame running backs, I think about the great backs of all time. I'm going to start 
I'm asking he you has, to look up he like has nine things at 5, once. He has 5,000 career rushing yards. I mean, he's only been in the league since 2017. And that's De- what I mean. Derrick Henry's got 8,500, so, you know. and I would put Henry closer. He's close to getting Henry 10, has 000. a chance at least. Like, are, are you putting Frank Gore in? Who, who compiled a bunch? He but. is going to be because of all the yards. I, I just called up the list of Hall of Fame running backs, and, and they have it organized here by career rushing. Well, no, it can't be by career rushing total because Emmett isn't first. Anyway, here's a list of, of, of Hall of Fame running Well, it's a pretty long list. When I think of Hall of Fame running backs, I think of the first names on this list. Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, LaDainian Tomlinson, O.J. Simpson, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk. Um, did any of these guys have career? None of these guys have had careers like that. But will anyone ever again? No, That's what I'm asking. Not possible. So are you going to ever put any running back in the Hall of Fame again? That's what I'm asking. I mean, you're probably going to have to start including rushing, excuse me, receiving yards and scrimmage yards and use that as a better proxy than, than rushing. Well, I'm already willing to do that. So, I mean, is a guy like Christian McCaffrey... Is, when he gets, if you if you connect his receiving yards to it, does he? He's got a shot up. To me, Derrick Henry is a Hall of Fame back. Like he, the combination of longevity with him, with his outstanding peak, like being the biggest reason why his team was successful for a few years at least, is probably enough. I think starting pitcher is not the right comparison. It's probably relief pitcher. Like that's probably a better one because if you look at the workload, like that's probably going to be the better proxy for what a running back might look like. Uh, otherwise, you're just never going to be... Able, like, there's no one that can have a Hall of Fame career if we're using 10,000-plus rushing yards as, our, yards as our standard. That just, that just isn't on the list of options for well, these Well, are we using 8,500 yards? That might be closer, but, but then... But you just said that because that's the number of yards that, uh, that you just said um, that he has, that, uh, that Derrick Henry and has. And so does Ezekiel Elliott. Is Zeke Elliott a Hall of Fame back for you? No, absolutely not. No disrespect intended to Zeke, but when I think of the, I mean, I'm looking at the at the list of all time great running backs here, and, and those who the, the Hall of Famers who have less than 8,500 career rushing yards: Larry Zonka, Terrell Davis, Leroy Kelly, Floyd Little. I mean, we're going a long way back, and then Davis, who got hurt almost immediately and was so brilliant for a shortened career. It's an interesting little question. Nick Chubb was as good as anybody for a short period of time. Hope he can come back. We'll be right back. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.